This episode of Heavy Cardboard is brought to you by BoardGameTables.com. Without question, Chad and his folks go the extra mile to ensure that not only are you getting an amazing quality board game table, but that the entire process is as smooth as a warm knife through butter. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So if you're interested, considering, or in the market for a new centerpiece for your game room, head on over to BoardGameTables.com and customize your dream table. And mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. Heavy Cardboard, Episode 79, Castles of Burgundy. Coming to you from a quaint little chateau in eastern France, welcome to Heavy Cardboard, where we talk medium and heavy strategy board games, war games, 18xx, and other related topics in the board gaming hobby. We're your hosts, I'm Edward. And I'm Amanda. So last Friday... I mentioned in our Slack channel that um, this planner that I found was just absolutely gorgeous. Okay. And um, I thought nothing of it. I was just chatting about it and how pretty it was and everything. And well, lo and behold, it's here. Weird. I know. You bought it so for is me. That, so is that all that you have to do is just like wish for something to appear and it just <laughs> shows up? If that's the case, I wish for a large suitcase full of $100 bills. Right. Well, um... No, but you bought it for me, which shocked me. And now he's looking around for his suitcase of $100 bills that's just not here yet. Nope, it hasn't shown up. <laughs> but I was just absolutely flabbergasted and shocked. And so just thank you for giving that to me, you know, just because. Well, it wasn't really just for you. It was for the show. Right. For when we go to cons and keep everything organized and everything So that I look professional. Pretty but, much. So, so you're welcome, you. though. I'm glad. I'm yeah, glad you like it. Very cool. much surprised me. Brandon from Brawlin Brothers is in town over the weekend. Yeah, and he brought his little munchkin Kaylee mm-hmm. with him, which uh, she's just adorable. Yes, she's, she's our favorite little munchkin. Yep, she's 10, growing like a weed Yes. Now. While he was here, we well, we live streamed Yokohama. He taught that, did mm-hmm. an amazing job, so yep. well done, Brandon. And we had a lot of fun playing the game. Yeah. And then uh, later on that day, that was uh, early, early afternoon, I guess, on Saturday, and then... Um, we were like, hey, let's go do something that isn't work. Right. Whether that's for him, you know, whether yeah. because, I mean, they have their podcasts and everything mm-hmm. for, for board games and everything. And we were like, let's do something that isn't board game related. That would be weird and different. Right. And I, uh, they were like, all right, what do you want to do? I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, what do people do for fun nowadays? <laughs> I was like, well, we could go to a movie. And I was going through the movies. I was like, everything just about is a superhero movie mm-hmm. and i was like wow that is surprising what, what makes movies now i yeah. mean what makes money nowadays i guess so but that that definitely struck me as odd <laughs> but anyway i'm i'm not as super keen on those i mean guardians of the galaxy one and two were great right but i don't want to go see them all the time mm-hmm. so i was like eh, on the movie idea i was like hey we go shoot pool i've been hankering to go shoot pool and then, um, oh yeah, we have Kaylee, ten right. year old, probably not gonna, probably <laughs> not gonna fly there. Uh, bowling was another option. Mm-hmm. I thought that'd be fun. And then I don't know who brought it up, whether it was Matt or Brandon, but they were like, "Hey, there's this arcade," 
I was like, er? <laughs> and apparently this place has been open for a couple of years and we had no idea. It's called Hyperspace. They had, man, they had to have well over a hundred different old school arcade machines. Mm-hmm. Everything from International Track and Field, of course, Galaga, Miss Pac-Man, right, they right. Had Joust, Defender, Pinball Machines. They had Berserk. They, I mean, it was just Tron, Spy Hunter, all this stuff. So everybody was like, yeah. So we all went. Uh, Kaylee got her first introduction to what an arcade yeah, was. She had no clue. And it was just, it was cool to, to kind of all of us pass that along to that generation. Right. So that was kind of cool. I mean, I don't know. There was something nostalgic, obviously, oh, well, about yeah. it. And I spent probably two hours of the night trying to uh, get past the hammer throw and high jump <laughs> on international track and field. Brandon tweeted out some pretty cool pictures of it. We were having just a blast. Matt, that was his first time ever playing that, and that's one of my all-time favorites. Uh, we used to have a, a number two pencil that we would have rocked on our finger, hold it down with your pinky, and use your other hand <laughs> to wrap it up against the buttons to be able to run faster. I didn't have a pencil, so I was just using fingers. Yeah, and- it was crazy. Brandon took a... I wasn't there. Brandon took a video of it and showed me, and I was like, whoa. And he's going to put those up somewhere so we can share them yeah, with Yeah, that was, it was just a lot of fun. It was cool to get away and do stuff that we don't normally do. Right. So that was cool. And you just had a nice night yeah. in... Yep, that Very was... Very relaxing, Yes, I it imagine. was. It was nice. Cool. So he also brought Founders of Gloomhaven, which we're going to be live streaming tonight, sort of. We're recording this on Wednesday, so it's really tomorrow night. But right. when y'all hear it, it'll mm-hmm. be tonight. So Founders of Gloomhaven's hitting Kickstarter today. I, on Thursday. Yes, and then we're going, And then we're going to be live streaming it that night. So super excited for that. Really nervous. Yeah. Because that's probably going to be a big audience for this, but mm-hmm. looking forward to it. And this just in, I mean, if, you, if you're listening to this, you probably have heard our previous episodes where we talked about, we really enjoyed that yeah, game. Yeah, very much. Very surprising how much we enjoyed mm-hmm. that. Uh, Great Zimbabwe meets Concordia, yeah. kind of. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, check that out on Thursday night if that's something that sounds interesting to you. For sure. Tuesday morning... We hit a, a bit of a milestone, uh, or not a bit of a milestone. We hit the latest mm-hmm. milestone over on our Patreon, uh, which means that Sunday morning we're going to be doing a drawing for all patrons at the $5 and up level. And whatever name we draw, we're going to be traveling to wherever they are and having a game day at their house or FLGS or friends house, wherever they normally yep. game at. So I'm really excited for it. Uh, I mean, I don't care if it's Little Rock, Arkansas, or if it's Melbourne, Australia. Right. Well, I won't say I don't care. It'll, it's going to be fun no matter which, right. no matter where it's drawn around the world. But, I mean, obviously exotic is exciting, Well, right? yeah, obviously, but... But at the same time, these are people that support the show, mm-hmm. think enough about the show to to support it through Patreon, and it's just going to be a blast either way, and I cannot wait. It's going to be crazy. Yeah. So, yeah, we're drawing that on Sunday. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, I'm I'm just excited to go meet fellow elephants once a year, at least in this, you know, context, I guess. I mean... Obviously, we go to conventions and we meet listeners and viewers and everything yeah, there. Yeah, this is but different. This, this this is definitely, hey, we're coming to game with right. you. 
And I think that's that's going to be a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And then our, the next milestone is we come, we do this twice a year. Yep. So uh, stoked for it. Uh, it. It's a matter of time. I mean, we have, so the, the patron uh, tracker, I guess, yeah. is, is what we can call it, that we have on the live streams. We in-house, we call it our 138 box. Mm-hmm. Reason being, when we moved the studio upstairs and actually built the actual studio up here, it was at 138 patrons. Right. Well, this morning, this being Wednesday morning, we hit 276, which it's now doubled since we've moved up into the studio, it's which crazy. is it's amazing. It's, yeah. it's fantastic. I won't say it's unbelievable because, hey, I do believe that this is growing. I, I, I kind of expected right. this and hope for this. But I will say it's a remarkable landmark that we have hit. And I can't wait to double 276 yes. now and then go from there. So, yeah. yeah, it's just it's it's exciting. It's cool to be a part of this community that mm-hmm. is growing around the show. Yes. And just I don't care that it's here because of us. I just think it's cool that we get to be a part of it to yep. begin with. Right. Yep, definitely. That this. Like I said yesterday in Slack, this community that has kind of organically grown around us, just I'm so thankful for all of them. And just it's it's mind bo- mind blowing. And my, that was mind blowing and mind boggling at the same time. Mind, mind boggling. Bl- oh, OK. Gotcha. All right. All right. <laughs> just it's wonderful. Yeah. So big thanks to everybody listening, whether you're a Patreon supporter or not. Uh, and uh, also special shout out to all our patrons thank you very very much for helping all of this come to be and getting closer to our dreams of doing this full time so thank you and by the time you guys are hearing this we will have already gone to elich gardens which is kind of like (laughs) denver's version of six flags yeah uh, it's it's definitely a, a smaller amusement park mm-hmm. than Six Flags, but it's still it's nothing. It's not like a county fair right. type thing. There's there's good stuff there. Yep, Matt had his work anniversary, and they gave him a couple of tickets. So hopefully, when you hear this, we had fun. Yes, uh, we're actually going as soon as we're done recording this, so mm-hmm. we're looking forward to it. That doesn't mean we're going to rush through the episode. Just just saying, yeah. we're looking forward to it. The days, the weather is like perfect outside. Yeah, it's overcast, maybe a little drizzly. Yeah. I'm okay with that, yeah. really, because it'll keep the crowds away. It'll keep the heat down. Yep, winning. Oh yeah. The interview with SpaceX engineer and game designer Andrew Rader is going to be live Saturday on YouTube going to be a really fun and compelling discussion i think uh he doesn't take himself too seriously i've watched a couple of the videos he's made funny yeah he definitely is has a sense of humor uh it's going to be a lot of fun i'm I'm curious to get to know him a little bit more and a little bit nervous because he has a huge following on social media so it's going to be uh it's going to be a lively discussion, if nothing else, yeah, I think. It I think should that, be a lot of fun. I think lively, I think, is a good word. Yep. To so look for it. that Saturday <laughs> afternoon live on our YouTube channel. We'll see you all there. All of the ways to contact us are on our website, heavycardboard.com. And we rely on the generous support from our patrons over on Patreon. If you'd like to join that community that we just got done talking about, check us out over on patreon.com forward slash heavycardboard. So there have been some really killer quote-unquote gets in stock now over at our friends GameSurplus.com. 2016 People's Choice Golden Elephant Award winner 
tramways, right? Right. But they got the expansion maps, Paris and New York, which if there's anything that I've learned about Albin Villard's designs and the AV Studio mm-hmm. games supply, is that's a limited supply. Yeah. So if that's something you're interested in, I would order it yeah, now. And check out our playthrough of the Paris map, too, if you're not really quite sure about it. Time of Crisis, they also got in stock from GMT. They got expansion maps for Age of Steam. They got La Havre and a plethora of other games. So go check out the online game store with the unsurpassed customer service, Gamesurplus.com, where they're really living up to their tagline of bringing the world of board games to you. And mention Heavy Cardboard when you do. So we've screwed up. Uh Uh-oh. I didn't realize this, but over the course of the last three years, over the life of this show, Mm -hmm. we've actually done multiple trailers for Castles of Burgundy. Yeah. So, oops. Uh Uh-huh. And we've never featured it, which seems kind of wrong considering it is one of your all-time favorite games. And it's one of my favorite school night games Mm -hmm. and just... Hey, well, you know what? I'm getting ahead of myself. (laughs) Why don't you tell folks about Castles of Burgundy? All right. Castles of Burgundy was published in 2011, designed by Stefan Feld. The artwork is by Julian Delval and Harold Liesky, published by Elia, Ravensburg, and a bunch of other people. Um, It plays two to four players in about 30 to 90 minutes or so. It's about $30 MSRP and available at most, if not all, game stores. And it's in stock for 20 bucks over at Game Surplus as well. Run! Um, the scalability. I mean, because the board itself scales, the game scales very well. I like it at all player counts, but 4 can sometimes overstay its welcome with AP-prone players. And it does change the dynamic of the gameplay itself as you add players. Mm-hmm. So even though it plays 2 to 4 much preferred at two or three, but yes, the game does scale well to cover all of the player counts. Right. I agree. So what's going on in the game? So in Castles of Burgundy, your goal is to fill up your princedom, which is the personal game board that you have over the course of five phases, which really should be called rounds. And then there are five phases to each round, yes. but the terminology, just know that there are 25 turns in a given game. To fill up your princedom, You utilize tiles from the main game board, and these are sediment tiles. Those are obtained by various dice rolls that you're going to be doing at the beginning of each turn, and then selecting those tiles from the game board in turn order. The number of tiles that are placed on the board varies different player counts, and there are a number of different types of tiles, ranging from various buildings, farms with different number and different types of animals, mines, castles, other tiles, rule breakers, etc., etc. At the end of the fifth phase, or again, at the end of your 25th turn, right. players tally up final scores and whoever has the most victory points wins. Scores can reach in the 200s, so expect lots of scoring from various places. We have a term for that, which we'll get into here in a little bit. But overall, if you want to actually see how the game is played and want to learn the entire game, Go watch the full two-player playthrough that we did, Amanda and I, over on our YouTube channel. So let's discuss the five factors that give the game its weight. Complexity. You know, there's just, there's not a ton of rules overhead here. Now, again, this is all relative, right? I mean, everything is going to be relative to your level of experience. So we're, we're, we're coming at this. Obviously, we're 
quite well experienced gamers at this right. point. We we are used to big complex rule books. Mm-hmm. So I don't want to diminish some people thinking that Castles of Burgundy is going to be a heavier game than what you and I consider it. So with that said, and I, I feel weird prefacing this, but the reason I am is because I was going through, as I do, but as we prepare for every right. every uh, review, I was going through the comments that people have left on the game. And usually I do that for the uh, to get comments from other players, you know, at the end of the review. Mm-hmm. Well, in this case, I noticed how many people are saying that the game was fiddly or that it was, you know, a little bit heavier than what they expected and everything. I was like, really? I don't think so at all. But then again, it all comes down to experience. It really right? does. You need forget. Right. And so with that said, most of y'all that are listening right now understand that, you know, we're coming from it with a background of playing High Frontier, mm-hmm. Pax Renaissance, Dominant Species, whatever. Right. So with that said, here... There's just really low rules overhead, comparatively speaking. Um, it's a real quick teach and learn, at least, again. To us. Right. Uh, yeah, just really low ro- rules overhead, I feel like. There really is, but there are quite a few little tiny rules, you know, that can oh, be easily forgotten. There are some. I yeah. wouldn't say quite a few, right? Like, give folks a couple of examples um, off so the top of your head. A couple of examples would be actually remembering to get your silver whenever you have a mine. Right, which I think you actually <laughs> forgot to do a couple I, times. Yeah, in our, I always in our do, always. And then, well, you're um, consistent. True. And then um, being able to have two different, or, I'm sorry, being able to have the same building more than once. Or and, not being able to, right? That's the rule I right. overlook as well. Yeah, so on your player board, you have different little... I don't know, districts Areas? districts yeah. within your, your princedom. And the beige area, which are the the building area, you can have it ranges anywhere from like one to, I don't know, eight, let's right. say, to where you can have eight different tiles in one little one little district. But the, the catch here is you're not allowed to have more than one building of a type mm-hmm. in that district. Really easy to overlook, and yes. there's no reminder of that other than you need to remember that. Right. And, and so, yeah, there are a couple of those gotcha rules. I definitely agree with you, which adds to the complexity. For sure. And I have the problem of if I have ever once, because there's a, a tile that allows you to break, that, break rule. that rule. And so I have the problem of if I've ever had a rule breaker like that. It sticks in your head like, oh, this is just Amanda's rule. Exactly. Like, especially if I (laughs) did it very early in learning the game, it just like, oh, I can always do this. Like, no. (laughs) (laughs) Noted going forward. (laughs) All right. Dang it, he knows my rule. So overall, complexity, pretty low here for, for, yeah, it's just going to fall on the low end of things. Right. What about planning? Um... It really kind of starts literally pre-game, does yeah. it not? as soon as you choose the board you're going to play with. Yeah, because every board is going to be... De- well, I shouldn't say every board. So in the base game, that comes with, I don't know, eight or ten I different I think eight. Boards. Okay. And one side of those boards are all identical to where mm-hmm. they're, they're all, you know, base map right. versions of it. And then the other side have the alternative sides, which they're all different. Mm-hmm. And then there's a bunch of expansion boards on top of that. And then world championship boards. Right. There's all kinds of different ones that literally 
your overarching strategy should start to coalesce mm-hmm. before the game starts. Just based on, okay, I have this board. What direction do I want to go in? Because where you place your starting castle, all tiles have to be adjacent to subsequent or uh, previously placed tiles. So therefore, you really do have to plan ahead. Oh, if I put my castle way out here, I only have access mm-hmm. to these two types of uh, further districts. And I'm like, eh, yep. is that well? If I do that, then I know what direction I'm going. So you really do have to start planning at least a a getting like the overall the, picture. Yeah. And it's four. What? Four boards, not eight. Oh, it's four? Four that are the same on one side, different on the other. Oh, okay. All right, cool. But you, nonetheless... You the, get more the, than right, one. Yeah. Right, right, right. So you can either choose these boards either by random draw or choose specific ones. There has been some research that folks have actually done. Um, I, I forget the site that you can play online, uh, Castles of Burgundy. There's a number of them, okay. I think. But the the BAJ, I, uh, Boja something or I other do not know anyway over thousands of games played online at least this goes back uh to 2013 i saw 2013 2014 some research like i said on which boards are either easier or score higher consistently win or whatever mm-hmm. like for instance board number eight has been shown to be really really strong whereas board number four and 10a are tougher to win with, see now i want to get the boards and look at them and try to figure out why. So, I mean, I'll be honest, I've never studied them that closely, uh, but I appreciate the fact that not all the boards are balanced. Yes. Which we'll talk about here in a little bit. The plan, like we talked about, the plan for your game should become apparent when you get the board, but you kind of have to change course occasionally due to the tiles that come out onto the board. And it's hard to have like a, oh my God, you know, firm strategy whenever you are playing because the tiles come out differently than you need to or someone takes the tile that you need or or whatever. So yeah. you have to kind of you have to go on the fly a little bit. Totally. To where like you had said you your overarching strategy kind of gets okay, this is kind of the direction I'm leaning towards mm-hmm. going. However, the game does play pretty tactical yeah. based on what tiles as well as how many players are in the game mm-hmm. because obviously there's going to be more tiles on the board with more players. But you now have to deal with more tiles disappearing yep. in between turns. And so that that level of planning ebbs and flows depending on player count, depends on uh, just what board you have mm-hmm. and what your particular strategy is trying to be, mm-hmm. as well as what tiles come out. So it's kind of a mixed bag as far as planning goes and tactical play goes. Yeah. I, I definitely can see both sides of that. The, really, the only thing that I always try to focus on are animals. Um, oh, so I should I should I should thwart that you going should. forward. Okay, all right. That's really honestly the only thing that I can think of that I consistently try to do every game. So, what do you mean by animals? The well, you have pastures on your princedom, and um, there are different types of animals, and so there's cows and chickens and sheep and something pigs. else pigs and they all come on on their little tiles and they come in different numbers on the tiles but whenever so it, it, there might be one cow right, three cows three cows whatever, right. two pigs whatever but whenever you play them onto your pasture if you have the same type of animal 
you can score it multiple times. So say I get my my two cows, I put my two cows down, I get two points. I get another tile that has three cows, I put that down on the same pasture, I score five points. But if I get two pigs, then I put it down, I only score two because it's not a cow. So that's really the only, like I said, the only thing that's consistent for me. Well, and I, I think that's kind of a universal thing. Like, Probably. Hey, this pasture, I want to make all one animal. Right. It, know, it, so it, I if can it's score not, it should points. be. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although I will say the other aspect that I try and plan for me is looking at smaller districts to mm-hmm. be able to complete them earlier because the earlier you complete a district, the more points it's going to score regardless right. of the size. Now, obviously, the larger the district, the more points it's going to be mm-hmm. worth, but it's going to be later in the rounds that you're going to be able to do yeah. it. And that's a diminishing return on how many points you're going For to be sure. able to score. So I try and score my small districts early as best mm-hmm. I can to be able to maximize their point value mm-hmm. as well. But again, other than that, you're looking at pretty tactical stuff yeah. outside of that. Luck and random factors. Well. What tiles come out mm-hmm. and where and when they come out, yep. right? Because not all the tiles will show up, especially in a two-player exactly. game. I would say probably less than half the tiles show up there. I mean, there's dice rolling. There are dice, and you roll them. So obviously right. there's going to be some amount of randomness involved in there. That is mitigatable, though. It very much is with the worker tiles and with the, the knowledge tiles or the yellow tiles right. that are out there rule breakers right so yes there is randomness but again it's making lemonade out of lemons right. and it's not a oh well okay i just lost because i rolled a one right or something like that or a tie with a zero that was a shot across the bow at warriors of god <laughs> that brian and i played on monday that was a five hour almost five hour war game that came down to a 50-50 die I roll. I can't believe that. And ended up in a tie. That's so awful. Well, I, I you know what? Nope. No. Tangent. Go ahead. <laughs> Sorry. You know what? I am going to say it. <laughs> so in Warriors of God, you actually have death leaders. Uh, you have to roll for all your leaders to die. Okay. Which happens every round. And had my leader that got captured in prison and had... He was captured and imprisoned. Mm -hmm. Had he not died in prison, I would have lost. But because I rolled a one or a two. Oh, my gosh. At the very end of the game, he died and we ended up in a tie. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah, that, not not my favorite. um, (laughs) Not my favorite dice rolling experience right there. Wow. Almost five hours in tie. That's awful. Okay, so about the game length for Castles of Burgundy. Um, Like I said earlier, with a four-person game with at least an AP player, that can, you know, overstay its welcome a little bit? Yeah, I, I definitely can agree with that. And that that's going to be one of the big negatives to mm-hmm. the game, but we'll talk more about that in a little bit. But as far as, like, in a two- or three-player game, when players have the game down, it hums yeah, along. Yeah, it and, flies. And so doesn't really contribute at all to the weight of the game whatsoever. Mm-mm. The four-player game, however, is going to make it a little tedious at times. It yeah. can, I should say. What about getting it? I think it's pretty quick. Yeah, it's got, it's going to be a couple couple turns and boom, done. Yeah. Really, really simple. Um, really a good game that either non-gamers uh-huh. that you can break into or folks that are just casual gamers uh-huh. and, and looking for a step up. 
Um, this is definitely ticket to ride yeah, things like that. This is definitely a a good fit, I would think yeah. for that. So, what weight range does this fall into for you? Oh, it's it's light, medium, medium yeah. at most. Yeah. I would say same here. So, let's talk about the cardboard. All right. So the components. So everything is, it's it's a step below standard. Yeah. Cardboard quality, it's, I would say. They feel flimsy is yeah. the best way to say it. But th- from what I've gathered, now I don't have a whole lot of experience with Aaliyah games in general. Okay. But from what I've heard that there are a series of games that they just made cheaper just to keep the MSRP down. Mm-hmm. Now, it's not, it's not. You can't tear them or anything right, like that. Right, you're not like going to. I, I mean, we've had our, our copy for, you know, going on four years and it's still in great condition. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's not anything like that. It's just they're thinner tiles. It's thinner cardboard stock. It's thinner card stock for the player boards right. and all of that thing. So it's just reduced thickness mm-hmm. really is what it, it, it comes down yeah. to, I feel like. Now, the, um, there's two. There's been at least two expansions with tiles. And those are much better. Yeah, those, those are, nice are actual and thick. standard, yeah. you know, thick tile, yeah. which you would be accustomed I kinda to. I kind of wish they would do like a deluxe edition of Castles with... So, Roxley, if you're listening, since yeah. that seems to be hey, your thing. Psst, psst, Gavin and Paul. Um, <laughs> that'd be awesome, actually. Yeah, I do wish that the the quality, just the, the thickness of yeah. the cardboard and everything was a little bit thicker. And the boards but, and... Yeah. yeah. But let's face it. It's fine. And it's 20 bucks. Yeah, seriously. And and that's the that's, that's the hook. Amazing investment for 20 bucks. Yes. I I totally agree. This is uh I we hesitate to say worth, you know, on this game, but is this worth the $20 investment? Well, if this sounds even remotely interesting to you mm-hmm. uh, after our review, then I would say yes. Right. I, I I definitely think so. So the box size, it's normal typical like uh Aaliyah bookshelf series mm-hmm. box size uh just under nine inches just over 12 inches and just under three inches thick or just over 22 centimeters 31 centimeters by seven centimeters for those non-us or space point people non-imperial gotcha funny i say th- i say space points all right go with it <laughs> all right graphic design what you got it's easy to understand for the most part. In fact, the player boards ha- actually have little player aids on them with what can be performed in a turn and what all the building tiles give you. Yeah, the iconography on those are really, really yeah. good. They point, hey, they point to your player board if it comes from the main board mm-hmm. to your board or, or it points away if you're actually placing it into your princedom. Mm-hmm. So good job on Very that. Very much, yeah. So for some reason, there seems to be a lot of people that have issue with that in reading the comments. I don't get it, but hey, different strokes I mean, for different folks. As long as maybe just if you're having a hard time, maybe, you know, like have the rule book open with it all written out yeah. and look at that and then look at the. Yeah, 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 if need be. But after after a couple of games, you're going to have that. Even during the first game, you you're should, probably yeah, going to have should. that. Yeah, this shouldn't be a memory. problem. The hardest part can be remembering what the knowledge tiles do, but luckily they all are numbered so you can quickly find them in the rule book yeah and that is the one thing that i never remember on those the iconography they they tried to make it completely language independent which i appreciate Mm -hmm. i i I can understand why they would want to do that um but that you definitely have to reference the rule book you can only do so much with arrows yes right (laughs) seriously all right 
the artwork? Universally. I don't care. So going through, there there are literally thousands of comments left about this game, both positive and negative. Mm-hmm. The one common factor on both sides of the fence, whether it's the people having it rated a 10 or a 9 or the people just trashing the game, universally, people do not like the artwork in this I game. I am the only one that likes the artwork in this game. I, I think so. It's muted. It's it's fine. Yeah. I, I think it's fine. It's not the most colorblind friendly. No. Because of the different shades of green. Right. I get that. Outside of that, it's it's, it's very it's very muted. It's, and actually, one of the comments I'm going to read later, um, pretty funny, addresses that. It's muted. It's watercolor. I just, I, I like it. Hey, it, art is, it's, I mean, it's it's very much a personal thing. Yeah. So you dig what you dig. Now, you're not wrong for it. You're just wrong. The art's terrible. Uh, well, I, <laughs> 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 uh, but no, um, yeah, <laughs> it, it, if the aesthetic is going to be off-putting, then hopefully uh, somebody, you know, I'm sure with this being as highly th- thought of, universally Mm -hmm. right i mean just across the board now there are plenty of people that don't like it whatever my point is it's ranked high enough to where oh hey and the the artwork is universally disliked enough to where somebody's going to pick it up do a deluxe version of it include all the million expansions that they have for it and do it and we'll probably spruce up the art so i'm sure eventually that's going to happen Right. Let's talk. What about the rule book? So Aaliyah has this cool little habit uh, on their or standard, I guess, in their rule books that they put all they, they a little summary in the margins. Yeah. To where if you're new to the game, you don't bother with the rule book. You go watch Heavy Cardboard's playthrough exactly. and teaching of it. But if you are just need a refresher... In the margins, it's just everything's bolded and just little bullet points. This, this. Oh, right. Yep. Okay. Got it. Okay. Let's play. Just to jog your memory a little. So really, really big fan of that. And having the reference for the different yellow tiles, Mm -hmm. the knowledge tiles in there is really valuable. Honestly, I have zero critiques about the rule book. Wow. Zero. This is one of the, again, complexity level, not real high. Right. Um, That said, I have... I, seriously, I would give it. I would give it a six uh, for for a rule book. It's it's just it's really well laid out. Wow, really well nice, done. Nice, nice. Yeah, you don't have like rule thirteen point four point seven. Says the non war gamer. <laughs> hey, I've read an infamous traffic. I read the rule book. How is it to like set up, tear down, and all of that stuff? I'll be honest. We we kind of cheat. And I mean that in a good way, because <laughs> we have the Meeple Realty insert for Castles of Burgundy. They come with their own little dice towers and everything. Everything has its own home. Mm-hmm. So set up and tear down, really, really, really simple yes. and very quick. As far as teaching and learning, well, we, once we have a teaching and playthrough video, obviously go watch that. Right. So, easy enough. <laughs> so what do you like about Castles of Burgundy? Combo chaining. Yes. All right. So the feeling of putting off a really well-timed, really planned out, just everything works out and you get to do this, which gets you to do this, which gets you to do this. And finally, you score a bajillion points. Yes, that's so much fun. (laughs) There is something really satisfying about being able to pull that off. Be like, you know what? Fine. You're going to win. I made this move. What? Come at me, bro. So, yeah, that's a lot of fun and something that I thoroughly enjoy being able to pull off. 
it happens you in most games i would say yeah. of this uh it's just it's satisfying very much so yes i like you know making the most out of the board that you're given making the best out of it what tiles come out i mean it this is a perfect school night game for us it really really is it is I, I, I also appreciate the variability that this offers and having to tailor eh, to a point now, mind you. Again, we had mentioned how tactical this game ultimately really mm-hmm. is. But being able to tailor your overarching strategy to the board that you either drafted, selected, got dealt, fill in the right word, whatever. I like the puzzle aspect Very that much. that provides. And I know some folks are going to be like, wait a minute, you guys don't like Feast for Odin. That's a puzzle. It's be like, it's a little bit different, different, and this is uh, plays considerably quicker. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just the, the puzzle aspect mm-hmm. of, okay, how do I make the most out of this board mm-hmm. and do the best that I can with this board? Thoroughly enjoyable. Very much. I mean, and if you want to, the game can... You can just play the whole thing by the seat of your pants. You can. (laughs) You you can have no plan. Yeah, you don't have to. Now, you may not do as an efficient job if you choose to go that route. But at the same time, as highly tactical as this game can be, round to round, Mm -hmm. phase to phase, fill in the right words, you can do surprisingly well by, okay, making lemonades out of lemons. Just Making do with what the game has presented mm-hmm. you on a given turn. Yep. And I do like the fact that you can also impact other players' strategies by... There's not a ton of interaction here. Let, let, let's be honest. The only real interaction is they're on the main board. You can't mess with other people's plans in their own princedoms, with the exception being, oh, I see you're going for X, Y, or Z pastures oh i see amanda's going heavy on cows let me go grab that cow real quick yep and now all of a sudden i'm forcing her Mm -hmm. to adjust her plans in impacting her game and hopefully helping myself in the process so there is enough there with the interaction and enough there of not really take that but playing other people's games Mm -hmm. that not and not just your own that there's enough there that that becomes an interesting meta level as you get more experience with the game. So there's just enough decisions here to be fun, but it's nothing mind-numbing, and it's a game we can play while having conversation, just chatting about our days. It it really is. This is one of those games to where, okay, I had a long day, you had a long day, whatever. We feel like playing something, Mm -hmm. but we don't feel like breaking out something really involved. Mm -hmm. Hey, this is perfect to where... It's not that I'm turning my brain off. There's still meaningful decisions in this game, but they're not taxing right. decisions. They're, does, does that make sense? Yeah, they're you know they're split second decisions. It's not something you have to tank for twenty minutes on. You can do that, but you, but don't, you don't need have to. to exactly. So I mean, on the flip side of it being a cheaper production value, is it makes for a more inexpensive game. It's easily it's i mean it's always in print right. i it's think very it's always easy to available obtain. right I would and think so. so uh when i spoke when, when i had the conversations with heavy cardboard with aldi he was talking about how 200,000 new subscribers to bgg well you know what 
that could be, even if it's only half of those, that's 100,000 people that may not have been introduced to a game like Castles of Burgundy. And the fact that it's easily attainable, that's that's got to be a positive, I mm-hmm. think. That kind of flies in the face of heavy cardboard where, you know, we try not to uh, review games that are in print. I'm kidding, somewhat. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it is kind of nice that there are games like this that are just kind of perpetually available right. for folks. There are tons of expansions. I mean, there's there's six that I'm aware of, three of new boards, three of new tiles. And there's actually another one that I just learned about last night. Oh, really? It's called Trade Routes. They're cards that whenever you sell the goods that you've acquired mm-hmm. by taking river tiles, if you are able to complete certain little like missions or whatever, it lets you take additional actions. Just That's something, cool. Not, uh, again, just adding to it, mm-hmm. keeping it fresh, right? Yeah, it's awesome. The only downside is some of these obviously are harder to come by than yeah. others, but none of them are really necessary. Like you can play the base game and be perfectly fine. You don't need no. any of these little mini expansions, I don't feel like. No. They add variety is all they do. And as we said before, the base game comes with four double-sided player boards. So you get the game with eight boards. Four are all the same on one side. The other side is different. So that's really good even for kind of more experienced players where like, say, for example, I was the gamer of the family. I could play one of the harder sides and you could play one of the easier sides or the base game sides. And we kind of have to kind of like as a handicap type of thing. That's exactly what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. Make it harder for the experienced player, easier for the newer players. And it comes in the box already. And it's a competitive game right right there. And nobody is yawning because they're bored out of the mind because we're having to play game X because, you know, to to level the playing field, so to speak. You really cannot play the same game more than once. There's because of the way that the tiles come out. I mean... You always have you can transfer strategies and stuff, but it's rare that you're going to play the exact same game twice. Oh yeah, the the variability in in the order of the tiles and everything else does add to that replayability mm-hmm. and variability, which is which is definitely a plus, and it mm-hmm. it causes you to not have a set strategy. Oh, I'm going to do A, I'm going to then do B, right. and then do Q. Because there's and some games that. that that's what you do. Which th- there's a reason those aren't long lasting in right. this house. <laughs> And it's really, really rare that you have a turn where you can do absolutely nothing, even towards the end of the round, because even if you roll two sixes and there's absolutely nothing you can do with the second six, you can turn it in for some workers. Which then gives you more flexibility and more options on a subsequent turn. There is no such thing as a quote-unquote bad die roll Mm -mm. because there's no... There's no difference between rolling a one or a two or a five and a six because of the fact that they're all equally weighted. That, mm-hmm. Like there are different tiles for different areas. And so now it could be that, like you said, at the end of a round, if I rolled a five and there are no tiles left in the five area, that would be a quote unquote bad roll. Right. But again, the workers allow you to adjust that as do the knowledge tiles may allow you to break certain mm-hmm. rules, this and that. So they're... It, it's a limiting factor there, the dice are, but they're not a crippling factor. Right. And it's not going to be, um, you know, some sort of stand-up die roll, which I appreciate the fact that it's it's a variable in the game. It is not the driving force of the game, right. even though 
taking the actions as dictated by your die rolls, but it it yeah. just being able to mitigate those mm-hmm. is just such a huge key. It really, to this. really is because, like, like I said, even if you can, maybe you can sell goods, or maybe you can do this, or maybe you know, there's you're never going to just be like pass. There's no reason you can't. There's right. no reason yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, right. All right. So on the flip side, the things that aren't the best about Castles of Burgundy. While there's not a ton of downtime, there definitely is some. And, of course, the more you increase the player count, the more downtime there's going to be. And it can be very difficult to plan ahead. As the player before, you can snatch up the tile that you've been spending time planning on taking. Which now means, oh, I have to rethink how I'm going to do this. Or I could not and just, oh, yeah, this will work and Mm -hmm. I'll do that. So, yeah, a lot of people tend to like this game two and three player a lot less so. I I don't know anybody that's like, yeah, four player Castles of Burgundy, can't (laughs) wait, let's do it. Uh, But at the same time, I don't fear a four player Castles of Burgundy. I do prefer it at two or three, though. Yeah, so let's put it to you this way. I fear a four-player through the ages. Yes. I do not fear a four-player Castles of Burgundy. Okay, fair enough. I would prefer it at two or three, but I don't. I'm right. not, I like. I'm not like. Ah. Okay. It's such a point salad. I mean, point salad games to me are the participation trophy of board gaming. Yes. Hey, you wrote your name on a test. Awesome. Great job. Have some points. Uh huh. You can follow directions. Sweet. Have a few more points. The challenge is maximizing because the game allows you to score just for showing up, and I don't think that's always enjoyable. Fans of the show know that I'm not super keen on Stefan Feld as a whole mm-hmm. because of the fact that I want I want point I want to earn what I get. Yes. This game doesn't necessarily make you feel that Mm-mm. way. This game gives you points for getting points. The only time that you really truly feel like you've earned those points is when you're able to do those huge chains. Yes. Because I, that shows that you have thought through every single step of that. Yep. I, I 100% mm-hmm. totally agree with that. That it's just, I mean, this is the quintessential point salad game. Mm-hmm. This is the type of game that Seffenfeld has become known yep. for, for better or for worse, depending on what your where your tastes lie. Mm-hmm. Now, that said... I enjoy this game for what it is, but let's not mince words. You get points for getting points yeah. for getting those points over there. Yo, I dog, mean, I hear you like points. Yeah, exactly. And so I, I, I don't want to belabor the point anymore, but yeah, it's it's point salad just to a T. Yeah. The game has zero theme. It's very much pasted on, and if that's a thing that bothers you, well, be aware that mm-hmm. you could be doing, literally, you could change the theme on this to anything that you could <laughs> think of, and it would fit just as well as building a Princeton in, uh, you know, the Bergen von Bergen. Uh, it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's just a, it's, this is a true epitome of mechanisms. Yeah. The end. The yeah. theme literally does not matter. Somebody should do a themed Castle of the Burgundy. That'd be... I'm sure some people have probably done probably. their own personal print and I play in see. space or whatever. Yes. You know. yeah, Star Wars Castle of the Burgundy. Yeah, oh, that's original. Hey. <laughs> Nobody does that. But yeah, honestly, that that's really it. Not the best at four players. 
point salad and zero theme. Yeah. That that's really the negatives mm-hmm. here, right? Yeah, they're really not that much. However, there might be some people out there that disagree with us. What? So, some comments and oh my favorite. <laughs> These aren't as great as some of the others, but let's have some fun. Quote, to be honest, I've only played it once, but it was a four-hour game. Wait a minute. How? How in the hell did you make Castles of Burgundy a four-hour game? (laughs) I would want to eat glass. (laughs) I would rather go punch a clock on a wall Uh than, are you kidding me? Anyway. At the end of the day, all I could think was, well, that's four hours. I never get four hours for Castles of Burgundy. And what he's not saying is that it was two people. <laughs> Just kidding. I don't know. <laughs> that's insane. Uh-huh. Oh, my. I, I, I'm I, sorry on behalf of whoever the hell you were playing with yeah. or you if you were the cause of that. <laughs> Next one. Quote, relaxing but thinky. Though I'm not usually a big fan of dice, they are implemented well here and make for a good step up into typical thinking used in Euros, end quote. Yeah, I think that that sums it up pretty well. I think this might be my favorite one. This game is Feld's masterpiece. It is getting more and more fun as time goes on. My group did come to the conclusion, however, that Feld must have worked making camouflage prior to designing board games, as the color scheme is terrible and blends into the background. Apart from that, though, the game is brilliant. See? Camouflage. Yeah, that was good. Not the prettiest artwork, not the fanciest components, but a fantastic game nonetheless. Lots of replayability with the various starting boards and random tiles that come out each turn. It also is always satisfying when you can chain a few tiles and create a nice combo. Great game for couples, as I believe it plays best with two, but definitely a good game at all player counts. Sounds right. There's my summary. (laughs) This is a parody of a game. Draft things and group solitaire them on your boards. Dice is a limiting mechanism. The iconography is inscrutable. The play tedious and the tension negligible. If you like this sort of thing, consider taking up knitting instead, (coughs) since you'll have better discussions at the table knitting with friends than playing games like this. So it's his favorite game is what you're saying. Obviously. Excruciating. (laughs) I thought Feld's most popular design would somehow transcend his previous efforts. But instead, this is just the same old, same old to the max. <laughs> Two hours of opportunistic micromanaging point maximization. There's barely any strategy, as you're going to have to do a little bit of everything, as usual, to win. <laughs> everything you do scores points, from twitching your finger to nodding your head. <laughs> the theme is meaningless. The interaction is incidental at best. There's no arc to the game. It's just the same thing over and over again. I'll be honest, he has some fair points, but I, I would argue that uh, But there is a little bit more strategy there than bit, yeah, he lets on. Yeah, just a little bit. More like Castles of Awesome. <laughs> the friendly math task from next door, the plain Jane that does not shout her qualities from the rooftops. Someone needs to say it to her. Get rid of those pastel colors. Dress up as a sparkling, entertaining being that you are. Also, get better components. Then again, I love you the way you are. <laughs> so that's all I got that for that. That good. All right. So summarize. I'm going to go first because mine is just, this is the quintessential school night mm-hmm. game for couples. 
It really is. Yeah. I, that's where it shines its best is with two players after a day of work. Mm-hmm. You just want to spend some quality time. Maybe open up you know, a bottle of Shiraz, have a little fun, and just talk about your day while enjoying each other's company over a just peaceful, relaxing, not stressful board game. Yeah. That is what Castles of Burgundy is to me. It's my, by far my favorite felt. And the puzzle-like nature of it adds to my enjoyment, but the game itself is just comfort food to me. It can make me, it can cheer me up when I'm down. It makes me happy. And, you know, that in and of itself, it makes it a must-own game for me. Cool. So, rating? A five. I think it's sentimental, part, partly, but it's still it's still such an awesome game, and it's still such a game that I would very rarely say no to playing that I feel like it it deserves that ranking. I God, I hate doing this, but I also have it as a five because of the fact that this is our, and, and, and this is very much a personal rating on this one. Now, they all are, I guess, in some to some degree, but this one especially because it is our go-to couples game mm-hmm. that... Oh, hey, what do you want to play? Ah, uh, I don't know. Castles of Burgundy? Sure. Right. Boom. Done. So for what this game is, it fills its niche for, mm-hmm. for us specifically right. perfectly. It is exactly what it, we want it to be. Mm-hmm. And for that, I rate it a five. Yeah. And that's Castles of Burgundy. All right, y'all. Hopefully you enjoyed that. We I did. Yeah, I it was thought fun. that was fun and some of the some of the comments from folks was, oh my gosh. was a good time. Yes. Castles of awesome. <laughs> All right. So just a heads up, I think we've mentioned this on the show before, but we have WBC coming up in a couple of weeks. What does that mean for the podcast? Not a lot, actually. You're still going to get the same amount of content that you've been getting. It's more or less uh, the YouTube channel is going to shut down for a couple weeks while we're gone. But outside of that, um, yeah, looking forward to hanging out with you all again next week. Mm -hmm. And going to be a lot of fun content coming your way here in the next few uh, upcoming weeks and months. So stay tuned. Yes. All right. So you ready to ride some roller coasters? Yeah. Let's go do that. All right. See you all later. Bye, everybody. 